We are having Alexis Ateslis, Managing Director of Oak Hill, and last but not least, Stephen Seymour, Managing Director with Varde or Verde. Stephen, your, your, your initial and unique chance, is it Varde, Verde, or Borde? In Sweden, I can't pronounce it. There we go. In Sweden, I believe it's Verde. In American, it's Varde. Varde, okay. Well, let's um, talk about Varde here. Guys, 30 seconds, each of you, maximum 45. The marketing bit of this panel. What is your focus? Which segments? Assets? Loans? Both? New buildings? Yes or no? And the volumes, please, very briefly, one after the other. Thanks, Heidi. Art Regan with Apollo. Uh, we are a global asset manager investing in shipping from uh, both private equity platform and a credit platform. Credit platform does, does invest equity, would be under slightly different terms. And uh, really anything within the maritime landscape is, is what our uh, funding can do. And I wouldn't say new buildings is one of them, though. Uh, it just doesn't really work with the return thresholds that we like to work with. Uh, but. Uh, some of the differentiating points about Apollo, I would say that uh, for me personally, the whole global group acts as a unified body, so there's essentially one investment committee for every shipping investment, which, which I think is, is a, ben a real benefit when we're working with new sponsors. Uh, secondly, uh, we know shipping. We know shipping. We've done a number of different investments across the capital structure from pure equity through to debt. Uh, we've We've actually exited some successfully, so we know how, the, how, to, how to work it. Um, and also, Apollo has a wide range of ancillary investments across commodity landscape, energy landscape, both upstream and refining. So the placement of shipping in the midstream bucket is something that's very familiar to the firm, so uh, our partners don't need to spend a lot of time discussing what the industry is all about. I think that's a benefit when we work with new partners. Thanks. Elias? Uh, Borealis Maritime is an asset management firm which is focusing on uh, maritime, obviously. Um, since in inception, we have raised $400 million of uh, equity from KKR, and we have deployed a total of $850 million across different shipping segments. Our biggest exposures uh, so far are in container ship feeders, in uh, chemical tankers, both uh, st st stainless steel and uh, coated. Uh, bulk carriers uh, and uh, LPG tankers and product tankers. Uh, we have also done other uh, sorts of uh, opportunistic transactions, including uh, sale and lease bags. Thanks, Elias. Alexis. So um, we are a bit of a hybrid between this panel and the panel before. So we have we are monthly strategy asset manager with the capital kind of going across the capital structure. So. Our investment activities have been ranging from private equity joint ventures with ship owners, and some of them are in the room, to selling leasebacks, to uh, um, lending, and, and everything in between. Um, shipping is, it is a long-term project for us, so it's, we've been devoting a lot of resources uh, over the last eight years, um, and it's something that we see there's a lot, a lot more to do in the, in, the, in the future. In terms of size of investments, anything from 2025 up, um, usually uh, is the large investments which are more competitive, more difficult to get, uh, and we find sometimes value in the small scale. So being selective this, these days actually helps. Um, so we're quite flexible in terms of both the type of investments and, um, and uh, the asset classes and new building versus um, second hand. 
we're very similar, I think, to continue the sandwich analogy, I'd say we're more of the open face sandwich, so we do everything from uh, to credit to, to, to equity to assets in the vessels. Um, Varde has been investing in shipping throughout its 25-year history. Today, we manage about $13 billion across a range of asset classes. Um, to date, we've invested about a billion dollars in shipping across a, a number of different strategies. We own feeder container vessels today, uh, as well as uh, older VLCCs, as well as being active in the, in the primary and secondary credit markets. So I'll continue with you, Stephen. Um, the typical situation, if you could create one, how does it look like uh, when you'd like to invest? Well, I think we have, uh, I guess, there, there are areas where we're, where we're proactive and reactive. And, uh, you know, reactive in the sense that there are, um, in, in terms of what we see from traded or, 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 or um, uh, bank uh, sale markets, you know, we, we, we sort of see what, what's there and, and, and approach it uh, accordingly. So it can be anything from uh, buying secondary debt, making, making primary loans. Where, where we are proactive um, is where we have more of a bottoms-up type approach, so what sectors do we like and what structures do we like. Um, also, I think it's important to be, to be tailored and, and flexible. It's one of, the, one of the things that our capital allows us to do. Um, but, you know, really what we're looking for is, is a partnership, right? I mean, you know, at lunch, Mr. Lascaritas talked about the 2,500 years of, of history of shipping here. We don't have that. Uh, we don't have that type of experience and that type of depth. So we are very important for this industry, very, very, uh, very much focused on who our choice of partner is, um, which, which leads to, obviously, cultural and social aspects, but also then structuring, uh, structuring a deal appropriately. So I think it's, it's hard to say what is our preferred route. I think we see the opportunity and we, and we approach it very, very, very in a customized fashion. Let me give the uh, question a little bit of a different twist. Alexis, uh, what's better, a big ship owner or a small ship owner? I'm not sure if, it's, if, if there's an answer to that. I think what's important, obviously, is the chemistry. I couldn't agree more with Stephen. Finding the right partner is paramount, is critical. Um, and it's not just the expertise in shipping, it's also the chemistry and the, and the, and the culture fit. Uh, I think finding a, a sizable partner usually means that you can grow with him. So for us, it's, these partnerships are not short-term partnerships. This, we invest the time um, to develop these relationships, and we hope that we grow them. And now it could be... Uh, doing joint ventures 50-50 to buy assets. Tomorrow it could be providing finance to them. Um, so I think having a more sizable partner usually means that you can develop a long-term relationship and a sizable relationship, uh, but the very large owners actually don't need us. I think that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the truth. Um, Why don't they not need you? Because they don't need capital, right? So they have access to bank finance. It's usually the smaller or medium-sized um, that don't have access. So we fill many different gaps. We fill the debt gap. We fill the private equity gap, right? Um, so we are a capital provider. That, that's the bottom line. I think we bring more than capital. I think we bring a more analytical approach than an intuitive approach, which is very complementary to the traditional kind of shipping approach in, in investing. Um, but at the end of the day, is people partner up with us because we can provide capital, flexible capital, um, and and uh, that's why I think large owners are less likely. Uh, We're going to touch on pricing a little later, but uh, I understand and I keep in mind you say you you may be not affordable is probably not the right word, but maybe not so attractive um, uh, from a return threshold point of view. Um, Art, I'm skipping Elias. He's a little bit of, of a hybrid here on this panel because he's um, 
closely related to a fund, as we have heard KKR, but on the other side, he is working with a company who owns ships and operates ships in close cooperation with this fund. Um, but Art, um, um, can, you, can you elaborate a little bit further on that, um, maybe from an owner's perspective now, um, be it a bigger or a smaller owner, um, how does the owner organize that, that he's getting access to private equity? Is he just calling you or one of your, your colleagues here on the panel? And, and what should he do in, in, in preparation of that? Well, the, uh, so the ideal client, back to the kind of part of the original question for us, would be an undercapitalized shipping company that otherwise has a great operation. And there's a lot of that in this industry now due to the capital constraints over the last several years. And I mean, in particular, Greece is, is one of the best shipping operation um, geographies on, in the world. So it's a great place to, to talk to different entities and see what are their capital needs and how do we move their business forward. So Apollo's, our objective is to enable shipping situations to continue and progress their business. And in particular, back to the point where it's a, a larger operation that has uh, a lot of good customer clients and history, uh, that's, that is easier to finance than a, than a small shipping operation uh, just because of the scale in mean, our business is to put money to work and the smaller ticket sizes are not as efficient as the larger ticket sizes but the benefit of a group like Apollo being as large as we are is we can actually uh, spread it out into different fundings so that uh, certain situations can be can be funded the, uh, the, the the cost of that will depend obviously on what the fund is and what the circumstance lies. But one thing I think about when you say, how does a ship owner approach an equity source? Uh, I think you have to ask a lot of questions. I think there's been certain sponsors over the years that have just showed up in New York, let's say, and, and took the first piece of money that came through because I needed funding. And very quickly that went the other direction because the fund needed to liquidate or something and that was not consistent with the objectives of the ship owner or his wish anyway. So understanding what the, the funding source actually is, what's the, the term of the financing, is it short term, is it long term, what is the return threshold, and being realistic about is this achievable and not, not just you know, take the money and believe that all is going to work out and the asset values are going to go up 40 percent, et cetera, et cetera. Be realistic and I think that's where you get the best credibility from the equity sponsor and the partnership really begins to build traction. When you have that level of, of confidence between both the sponsor and the equity, then uh, when things go wrong, you get a bit of a better treatment, I would say, and it becomes less contentious and you can see your way to the other side. Thanks. And Elias, maybe from the owner's perspective, talking about preferred structures, and I'm going to, of course, ask the others a little bit about this as well. What's, what's your preferred structure? Um, if you could um, create that, is that a joint venture? Is that uh, private equity in the background? Do you like active private equity or more passive private equity? Sale and leaseback, you know, you can think of all kinds of structures, asset deals, share deals. Yeah, I think it really depends. Uh, so, so, so first of all, uh, to comment on a couple of things that were mentioned uh, already, by and large, um, what we ideally need as a ship owner in this industry is lo long-term capital. So, so, for, so for, for example, the, the capital that we have raised in our three, three funds with KKR has a life of ten, 10 years. Uh, there are no 
early redemptions. There is no uh, requirement for income. It's a total return, uh, 10 year life. And so you hope that this is a time horizon within which you can play uh, multiple asset classes within the uh, maritime space. That's point one. Po point two, our strong belief, uh, and I know that this goes slightly against what Art just said, but our strong belief and uh, uh, preference is for small deals. So since inception, we've acquired a total of close to 80 vessels. The vast majority, with the exception of one transaction, the vast majority of deals were ones and twos and threes. And we believe that uh, this would allow us to, to apply the necessary rigor to every marginal dollar that goes out the door. And we are fully aligned, and we're fully aligned with our sponsors. Uh, again, just to touch a bit on the, on the, uh, on the uh, structure, if you think about it, if you take uh, a step back to get access for a, for a private equity sponsor to get access to expertise in, sh in shipping, like uh, Stephen mentioned, there are three broad models. The one is uh, what Apollo is doing. They've had a very, very experienced team come in-house uh, as operating partners and, and uh, help them. Uh, there is the other extreme where um, a firm like Bardo or uh, Oak Hill could partner with a very large ship owner and, and set up a side vehicle, a uh, joint venture. And it's, it's us, where yes, we're a ship owner, but really uh, the vast majority of what we do is aligned with KKR, and, the, and there's no real outside interest. But, we are, but we're sitting outside of that, of that firm. When you say... Um you prefer the sm small acquisitions. In the end, of course, there is one partner standing behind, which is which is actually providing the capital. Yeah. So if you want to, I would say from a KKR perspective, they would probably look at this as a more bigger investment mm -hmm. rather than small single transactions. Um, but, but, but you know what, a little bit of contradiction and disagreement here is, is good. Stephen or, or Alexis, do you do you big transactions or, or, or small transactions? Is there a preference uh, where you say, Again, I, 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 I don't think there's a, a, a preference per se. Um, you know, I think it, uh, a, you know, we'll sort of take what, take what we see. I mean, the, one, one thing I would say in terms, of, in terms of, you know, private equity models, I guess the one thing, or, you know, in deal structures, the one, the one thing we, we, we don't do, we're kind of, I guess, the, the private equity in shipping model of 2011 to 2013, which from our perspective was a bit like heads you win, tails we lose, and, and, and those types of structures where, um, you know, in, in the current model, I think it wasn't necessarily either the, the, the right either alignment or the right control, which are important considerations for, for, for us as, as investors with long term, but, uh, but certainly, you know, fixed uh, uh, duration uh, for, for investment lives. And I think those are a couple of considerations which, you know, the model for, for private equity and shipping is moving away from, and I think that's a good thing because I think actually these are the types of structures that are maybe more types of structures that are maybe more types of structures conducive to, uh, to, to to private equity and shipping going forward. And, and the important thing there is is, is also ensuring you know, the right alignment. I think what what Odelias says is, is, is exactly right. I think that the model for Borealis is is, is a good one because you have a vertical uh, integration between you know shareholder and and, and company, um, and I think ultimately that's what you want in any partnership. Alexis, you mentioned 25 million, I believe, as, as one of the figures when you introduced as to, as to what Oka was doing. I would regard this more on the smaller, mid-size or smaller size. So you are more for the, or you're at least open for the small investments. We are open well? for the small ones because that gives us, we can be more selective. Um, I agree with Elias, sometimes the smaller deals are less competitive, more proprietary, um, and that gives you some flexibility to structure deals. And um, 
to find good partners for them. I think I, I get, we all think the same thing, which is um, finding the right partner is, is critical. And sometimes the smaller deals are the, the deals with the right partner. But ideally, I think we all have, we are sitting on a lot of capital. I think the issue now is not capital, the issue now is finding good investment opportunities. We would all love, I think, around the table to do 200 million deals. Um, they're not that many, and when they, are, when they come about, they tend to be very competitive. Of course, all of, of uh, the funds represented here on the panel are first class and outstanding in quality. But let's assume you may have competitors um, and also classes of capital which are competitive to what you structure. If you think back or just start to be creative and think out of the box, what capital would principally be the one uh, with which you are competing in a specific situation? I think we're competing with each other, primarily. With what? what? With each other. I think we're competing with other private equity. Uh, I don't think we're competing with public markets. I think public markets are, if someone has access to public markets, that's probably usually easier to, um, easier to execute. It keep, they can, the owner can keep control. So, um, more than in, in, a, in a private equity structure. Um, so I think it's probably the hybrid capital provider, so the kind of in-between debt and equity, um, and other private equity firms. I think the, I think the, the advantage of working with private equity, um, contrast to, to debt, is that the capital is a lot more flexible. So you may not have covenants, it doesn't have a maturity, you have a long-term perspective, um, you are taking equity risk, um, which actually in shipping I think is quite important. I think being able to survive um, and navigate through the good and bad times, I think is quite important. But you said, um, of course you can, there's much pros and cons, you said, um, who's the one, the owners who have, would have access to, 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 to public markets, public capital, may also be well advised in, in going that route. Um, um, but then you mentioned, of course, transparency and, and, and reporting covenants and so on and so forth. Probably that is the big charm of private capital, that you can do a lot of, of deals which are clandestine or at least not that public. Uh, but Art, you wanted to, to add something to that as well. I saw that. The, uh, Alexis's reference to the public markets, I think, is really important for shipping because if we go back to the boom time of 2004 to 2008 when the public capitalization was enormous, multi-billion dollars, and today it's, it's very, very small. That's a big step change in how the industry is capitalized. When most of the equity, alternative equity providers, mainly private equity, re-entered re the market, let's say 2009, 2010, it was usually with long-dated equity that was expecting very high returns, 20% plus, and that was coming from both earnings expectation and asset value appreciation. Uh, what took place was, because of the downturn, the public market exit strategy just almost disappeared. It was, it was very rare that you could actually complete an exit of a private equity investment into the public markets, which was very much part of the original thesis. So the whole original model of private equity has been very hard to, to complete and to execute. Uh, but as Alexis was saying, what has happened then is it swung over more credit-oriented funds and kind of a sale leaseback and even some direct lending and first lien. But what really seems to be the st most stable source of capital that hopefully can be uh, supporting shipping for a long time is this kind of hybrid capital where it's a little bit of credit, a little bit of, of, of equity. And because of the uh, overheating of many public markets, in particular the U.S. now, with very, very high multiple across the, the, the 
the whole market, um, it's, it's not easy to find the 20% plus returns in, in a lot of different industries. So the evolution of the return expectations that is really taking a look at shipping now is more the hybrid model. And there's a lot more flexibility there. It can be a little bit of, of debt oriented. It can be equity oriented. And I do think that that's the, um, probably the most stable source of capital for the next multiple years. And if I may, I, I think, you know, in terms of competition, I was trying to think of who it is. And I think, I think that the, 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 biggest, the biggest competitor is actually sort of the, the value of optionality that the ship owner has. And they're looking at what are different options at all point at all points, and actually having, you know, the flexible capital to, to what Art is saying. I mean, that, that you can do the hybrid, um, you know, both credit with an equity, an equity component or an upside sharing component. I mean, th these are the types of, of structures that are actually best matched for that type of, of, of optionality value in the, in the with the ship owner partner. And the, uh, Art mentioned it, um, an exit to, to um, go a little bit further on in, in the life cycle of an investment. Um, you're, you probably, all of you, have done an exit already of an investment. Was that a pleasant experience? Was it mixed experiences? And um, I'm not asking for the worst experience. We are saving this question uh, for, for, the, for the end of the panel to keep everybody awake. Um, but uh, tell me, the, the typical exit, what, what have you seen and what was that? Maybe we're, maybe we're starting with, with Elias. Um, um, from, from the owner's perspective working with the fund? Sure, so, so, so far we have had one significant exit uh, from our first fund. Um, we exited back in November um, uh, around a quarter of our first fund. It was uh, effectively a chemical business, a chemical ta tanker uh, business, um, where we effectively sold a fleet and an operating uh, platform to our biggest competitor. Uh, so it's a it's an issue business. Uh, it's uh, very very uh, concentrated, and so be, before we even we, we went into it, the thesis was around um, uh, consolidating it further, and so uh, we tried to to differentiate, if you like, the package by uh, putting together an operating platform, building a COA book, which is very very important for these types of vessels. And, uh, ma and making it a very, very uh, attractive target, if you like, for our biggest competitor. And we, and we exited back in November. It was a very good transaction for us. <clears throat> How about the others? Exits, Alexis? Experience so far? I think we had partial exits. We haven't had total exits. Um, I would say that what's, um, what should not be underestimated is the lack of liquidity sometimes in the shipping markets, in the second-hand market in, in, in particular. Um, you, you, tend to you want to believe um, and assume that actually that second-hand market value that the broker is telling you or you, you believe that's, the, that's fair may not be there, right? So um, I think it's the liquidity premium shipping is not to be underestimated. It should be priced in in every transaction. Anything to add to that, Stephen, with this um, very impressive um, record and volume you have already invested in? Um, well, I can say, I mean, we, we actually were, were relatively, not late, but we, we, were, we were cautious about the, the, the sort of post-2010 uh, investment. So, so our, our current uh, exposure is, is, is still relatively new. Um, so we, we haven't exited. I think, you know, we have certainly structured our investments coming in with a clear path to understanding what the exit is. Because I think one of the great lessons, right, of, of investments in, in 11, 12, 13 is even when the markets are good, it's hard to exit. And, and, and so... 
Um, you know, we, we, we've invested in older crude carriers, for example, where the exit kind of takes care of itself. It's, it's selling for scrap, and so you can take that risk off the table. A more general question, actually, Art. Is private equity good for shipping? I think absolutely so. It has to be for me. Um, it, it, it definitely is. When, when we say private equity, again, I, I think we have to think about alternative equity, meaning not retained earnings from the ship owner and not commercial bank debt. That 60-40, uh, 70-30 model, um, it's, it's rare now, and it's not going to be enough capital to support growth and recycling of the industry. So there always needs to be alternative types of equity, and I think it, it, it is a very good thing that uh, very large firms have um, invested in the shipping industry and kind of woken up to the fact that this is a global business that does require larger capital. Not everybody made, has made the money that they expected to, but it takes a while to kind of sort out how do you manage through this business and, and understand it a bit more. And over time, together with partnerships and the, the increased awareness of ship owners and, and ship owning sponsors as to how to acclimate their own strategy and their own operation with different equity sources, uh, it will become a perpetual uh, form of capital for the industry. So in that way, I think it is good. And extending the question to the other three, is it good? And to what extent has it changed shipping so far in this relative short period of time it is available? Yeah. Uh, let me start by answering a different question, uh, which is, is, is uh, shipping good for private equity? Uh, which is also a very interesting question. And if you think about it, it's a very, very large asset class of more than a trillion dollars. And uh, institutional <laughs> capital by and large is underrepresented in shipping if you compare it to other major asset classes. Uh, and so, Ge generally uh, uh, speaking, if you look at also the lack of general uh, co co correlation of returns in shipping to, to other uh, asset classes, you, you start to understand why it is attractive. From a shipping perspective, uh, pri private equity obviously uh, fulfills a need, and exactly as Art said, there is a supply-demand imbalance in, in of how to, fi to finance the fleet value uh, of uh, um, of this uh, asset class. Um, already Al Alexis mentioned the um, slightly more, if you like, uh, analytical and rigorous approach to certain uh, decisions about uh, investments, which I think is a fair point. And I would add governance arbitrage. And I think uh, governance is something which uh, affects many parts of this industry, especially exits. And so, if you are a private equity uh, ultimate owner of ships, you shouldn't have any qualms of exiting completely when the time is uh, right. If you're a ship owner and that's what you do and that's what you've done for uh, generations, that's probably a more difficult uh, um, uh, decision. Uh, so overall, as, as the industry is building expertise and is behaving more rationally within this industry and deploying capital more rationally uh, with this, the, this industry, I do, I do think it will be good. So I guess what I would say is the right the private equity with the right approach, long-term perspective, I think has a place in shipping. Um, I think it has brought a lot of positives to the industry, as I think everyone has alluded to, from transparency to professionalism to corporate governance to, but at the same time, private equity was part 
um, of the rational behavior that the shipping industry has been witnessing over the years. So in 2013 and 14, private equity did help to grow the order books that were just um, um, kind of de de uh, declining. So it's not all great about private equity, but I think it's, it's, it's good that it's bringing a bit of an institutional program, I fully agree with Elias. Um, and I think that ch the, the challenge would be as uh, the industry goes more towards normal returns, whether that those returns will be adequate for private equity. Of course, someone would say the industry is never in equilibrium and it's never normal, um, but long-term returns in shipping is like well, 7, 8, 10%, which may not actually satisfy the private equity return requirements. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's, it's mixed. I think private equity is, is good for ship owners um, in the sense of, of, of being able to provide capital solutions. Um, but, but, but clearly, right, the track record um, you know, in the last uh, 10 years has, 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 has been mixed. Um, I do think, you know, there are, there are other ancillary elements of shipping, ship management, for example, um, where, where, where private equity, you know, could play more of a traditional value-add private equity role um, with, 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 with systems and, 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 and finished reporting and the like. But I think, you know, when you get to a, a, a commodity trading asset class, it's hard to sort of say point blank there's, there, there's value that private equity brings to that industry. Coming to a completely different um, uh, topic here for, for a second, IT, blockchain, big data, all these keywords play a role even in our very traditional and slow-moving shipping world uh, uh, nowadays. Are you looking at investments, the four of you, the three of you who are, um, or even Elias is, is nodding, but are you looking at investments also in companies uh, disrupting or changing uh, the shipping world? Yeah. Uh, we wouldn't go that far as to, as to saying that we're looking to invest in uh, technology. But one thing that we're definitely looking to increase our exposure to and get access to is advanced analytics, advanced analytics, advanced and information. And uh, just to, to, um, to give some more uh, information on that, uh, one of the commercial pla platforms that we have set up on the container ship fleet is Hanseanic Unity. And uh, we've brought together five big owners of feeder container ships and we manage a, a fleet of uh, uh, 220 vessels. One of the key, key points of this and one of the things that we're trying to improve is information sharing, data collection, and how do you express that in commercial decisions from a chartering perspective? Um, I don't know that we, you know, we, we are there yet to, to say we will make a big capital uh, commitment into te uh, technology itself, but it, it wouldn't be far-fetched. <clears throat> Anyone else of you having already invested or interested in? This is the one question I would have wanted to prepare for. I, I, so no, uh, no, no, not, not, not yet, and not, not directly. I mean, clearly it's affecting a number of businesses that, 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 and, and industries that we look at. Um, to say that we're, we're focused particularly in this impact, and, and this is, is you know, I think it's, it's a much more general approach for us as a firm. Alex, is it? I guess similar. Similar, I think. We, sometimes we do try to invest in companies rather than assets. So companies do have intangible value and financial analytics actually is a big part in some sectors more than others. Like in product tankers, we've seen some of the bigger players actually trying to um, develop that, that expertise because it helps a lot in optimize returns. But I think it's more 
the new technology, I think, has a, a role to play as an industry which hasn't changed for decades. So there's definitely an opportunity, but it's more for venture capital <coughs> investors than, I think, for us at least. So maybe a little bit too early in the cycle. Art? The, uh, this is um, an interesting topic for me because I think about it like when the question is private equity good for shipping. The, the role of private equity can be a lot more than, than just money. So one of the things I enjoy about Apollo as a sponsor is they're investing in multiple industries all the time. Um, uh, private equity is supposed to bring discipline. That means how are you thinking about your business? Uh, the shipping industry hasn't changed that much. We're pretty much doing the same thing things the way Columbus did it, and, and I think that might need to change. And one of the benefits of private equity is a broader range of thinking about how is your business working, and, and when you're talking about technology, a, li a little thing like how is all the information on board the ship, which is where the money is invested, how is that collected, how is that transmitted to the ship owner, and what are they doing with that information? And the answer is you know, a noon report once per day that describes the previous 24 hours. Um, no opportunity to improve that efficiency. So a simple question from a private equity guy who doesn't know anything about shipping and says, you know, why aren't all of the key machineries on board a ship all correlated and connected so that the information is time sensitive, meaning current, and it all relates to each other like we would have, let's say, in a oil rig or an upstream drilling rig where the technology is more prevalent. Um, I like those kind of conversations. I think that's great stimulus for an industry that's as old as, as others, and, uh, but hasn't changed all that much. So um, we are interested in IT. It's not particularly investable. The, the mechanics of the shipping industry move very, very slowly from engine manufacturers to, to you know, step change in technology. But I think it's an important thing that we do uh, have to all think about to improve our business because if we want to be accessible to broader ranges of capital and disciplined capital, we're going to be asked questions like, are you as good as you can be? In a lot of cases, the industry, you know, is, is uh, maybe decades behind. So. So, decades behind. Um, that's a statement. <laughs> not sure we should stop the panel with that. No, of course not. We have a couple of minutes left. Um, but take it by heart and think about it. From a certain perspective, I would even agree. Coming to some personal experience our distinguished panelists here have made in shipping, share with the audience your most surprising, your most positive, as well as your worst experience in shipping, in shipping investments. And maybe we are starting with, with Stephen just and then coming up this way. Why not? Sure. So, um, and be so very open and frank and uh, mention <laughs> names and whatever. So, <laughs> so in, in, exactly. In, uh, back in 2000, 2007, 2008, uh, Varde uh, owned Kembulk and uh, sold it in about 10 months and made a killing. And I hadn't joined. That was, that was my, my now boss, uh, you know, CIO of the firm. And it was a phenomenal investment for Varde. And it's been one of my worst experiences in shipping because that's what I have to live up to. And <laughs> the idea that that is, uh, you know, that, 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 that is how shipping investing works and, and the success, it's a wonderful, uh, you know, wonderful uh, uh, feather in our cap. Um, but it, uh, and, and it has, to be fair, it has allowed and encouraged a continued uh, investment in the space. And so I've benefited from that. 
Um, but uh, I have to go into every investment committee and say, this is not like Kembulk. Um, I'll start with the more, most difficult one first. I think private equity underestimates operating risk. Uh, I think we have spent too much time in Excels. Uh, we try to find good partners, but I think the Excel is, um, doesn't capture the operating risk. And so when you get the call one night and you say that the engine failed and you had detentions or this or the other, um, I think it's obviously something that you get used to and you've developed a stomach for, but it's, it's not a pleasant experience. I think on the positive side, I think we are very surprised, I mean, pleasantly surprised by how well um, our partnerships have worked. I think we spent years uh, negotiating shareholder agreements that we haven't opened once. And I think for me, that's a testament of a good relationship given how volatile the industry has been. Or it's a testament that you had good lawyers in negotiating this agreement, right? <laughs> Actually, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> sure. I think the first half of 2016 was both the best and the worst uh, time uh, for, for, for us. Uh, it was definitely the worst. Uh, if you consider the amount of capital we had uh, invested in container ships in early 2015, uh, and, uh, and at the same time, it turned out to be the best uh, because our entire uh, dry, dry, dry bulk fleet uh, was acquired in Q1 of 16. Uh, so so uh, from that perspective, it was both the best and the worst. <clears throat> Before we be asking Art, um, one follow-up question to you, Elias. Is it more pressure to, have, uh, to sit on a huge amount of, of, of money not invested and to have the pressure to, to invest to find assets, or is it more pressure to have invested and then to, to know that you have to do something now and to perform with it? What is the, the bigger pressure for you? Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, we've never felt the former. Uh, we've definitely felt the latter. Uh, <laughs> Well, the question about best and the worst, um, certainly to, to seed a brand new investment and then five to seven years later sell it successfully, all of that is, is a lot of fun and it's very good, particularly when it, it enables a ship owner to continue to grow their business and uh, it, it started from nothing and then, and then grew. And Apollo and myself in, in particular have done that on, a, on several occasions and that's, and that's always fun. When we talk about the, uh, the downside, the, uh, the idea that you know, we have some investments that we might hold for the next 25 years before we start making money, that's, that's also not a, not a good scene. But when we talk about um, observations in the industry, it has surprised me, because I think you used that word. Um, if someone asked me, uh, hey, Art, you've been in this industry for a long time. I'm talking about a, a, a novice equity sponsor that said, you know, has anybody ever ordered 40 new buildings at one time and made a lot of money five years later? You know, the answer is no, I haven't really seen it. It doesn't happen that frequently. Uh, yet, you know, it happened over and over again. So I know like, not all private equity has behaved um, perfectly. So that was always a surprise. Like, didn't anybody ask the question, hey, did, did this ever work before? And the answer is no. Bringing in some as an ultimate question, some local content here. Um, since um, we are in Athens, uh, among many Greek ship owners and members of the Greek shipping community, I'm coming from Germany. Uh, some of you have a Greek background or are, are Greek. So um, what differences do you see from an investing perspective in approaching 
a typical Greek situation as opposed to a typical German situation. And feel free again to say whatever you want. So give that to the Cypriot. <laughs> let's start with let's start with the Greeks, maybe. Yeah. Um, so actually, the markets are very different. The pros and cons in both. I think. I think the structure of the market is fundamentally different. I think in Greece you are working with ship owners. I think in Germany you are working with intermediaries. Not not all. No, of course, there are very big shipping companies in Germany, but big part of the market is KGs and nowadays banks. So you're not dealing with the principal. You're not dealing with someone who has skin in the game today or used to have skin in the game and has lost a lot of money and that's his, that's his business and that's very important for him. And that thing changes the dynamics completely in terms of um, negotiating and doing deals. Um, of course, sometimes the fact that you don't have the ship owner who is not um, emotionally attached to the assets can make the transaction more rational um, and more people are more financially incentivized than in other cases. Um, but I think here the relationships and long-term partnerships are maybe, because I'm probably overgeneralizing now, maybe more important than um, in other parts of the world. Okay. Ideas? Sure. Uh, look, for us as a, as a ship owner, obviously, uh, you, you've got to keep it in, uh, co in context. Over the last few, uh, few years, uh, Greece has been a net buyer of tonnage and Germany has been a net seller. And so naturally, the, majority, the vast majority of the transactions that we've done have been in Germany. Uh, and um, more than two-thirds of the fleet we have acquired uh, by partnering and working with banks, basically, and uh, helping them to take these assets, uh, whether in loan or asset form, off their balance sheets. And uh, they have been very, very good partners to us, uh, and hopefully <laughs> we, we, we have been very good partners to them as well, uh, and the proof is in the repeat uh, transactions that we've been able to do. Um, and so, yeah, look, I, I think, uh, you know, there is, there, there's no doubt, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of expertise, both in Athens and in Hamburg. It comes in different forms. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Germany was a premier uh, financier of, uh, for, for this industry, and, uh, and Athens will continue to be the uh, premier uh, owner. <coughs> the friendly German opportunity providers. Uh, anything to add to that, or...? Um yeah, I'd be happy to add that. So, I, to me, it, it's a world of difference, a world of difference between Germany and Greece. I don't know too many Greek dentists that are ship owners, but in Germany, there's a few. <laughs> okay. And with that, I'm thinking, thank you, everybody.